we told about the five daughters of Tzlafchot. And the Torah is lavish in its praise for them. It teaches us that there were Tzidkoniyos, there were Chachmoniyos, there were Darshoniyos. It's unbelievable the amount of compliments the Torah uses. And all the signs for that, we have to see what was so unique about the Tzlafchot that they praised, praised in such glowing terms. But besides for that, the Chazal make an observation. And it says that the men didn't appreciate Eretz Yisrael. They said when they were threatened with the prospect of war against the powerful nations of Canaan, they said, We want to run away, we want to go back to Mitzrayim. Whereas the women, the women did appreciate Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because they said, Give us a portion of land. And therefore we see the contrast where the men are faulted of not appreciating Eretz Yisrael. The ladies are complimented that they did appreciate Eretz Yisrael. And I want to ask a question. And that is the comparison is not really fair. If you had the opportunity to be given a free parcel of land in Eretz Yisrael, if you had the opportunity to be given a free field, of course, who wouldn't want it? Of course, if they had the opportunity to gain a chedok of Eretz Yisrael, so why wouldn't they ask for it? The men who wanted to go back to Egypt wasn't because they had a problem with Eretz Yisrael. The men who wanted to go back to Egypt had a problem with the nations in Eretz Yisrael. They were scared of fighting giants. They thought they were going to be defeated. They thought their children and their wives were going to be massacred, like the Pasuk says. That was their problem, not the land. And if that's the case, Benet Slavchot weren't coming to fight Eretz Yisrael. Even though there's a discussion if women had to be involved in a Melchemist mitzvah, the Gemara in certain Dafim Dalet seems to indicate that a caliph would have to leave a chuppah to participate in a Melchemist mitzvah. But as Mephoshim explained, that would be in some kind of a supplementary role. It's clear that the women never went to the battlefield. There's only the men between 20 and 60 with the Yotzei Tzavah, the ones who went out to war. And if that's the case, there wasn't any direct threat to the women, so to speak, that they were going to have to confront the enemy. And if you're going to say their families, they were scared for the welfare of their husbands, their fathers, well, by the blessed love, well, there wasn't a factor either. Their father had died and they weren't yet married. And if that's the case, what's the comparison? Where do we see that the woman loved the land and the, in a case where the men didn't? That's the first question I want to ask. One could say perhaps that one of the complaints the men had at the time of the Miraglim is besides the fact that they thought they were going to get killed in battle, but they thought their women and children would be taken as plunder, would be taken as spoils of the battle. And maybe the woman should have been afraid of that, and they weren't. That could be a possibility. But there's a principle here which I think is a more direct answer. But for that I want to ask another question also. The final Gemara in the Mesech of Sukkah is well known. It tells us the story of the family of Bilga. Bilga was a family who was collectively punished that whereas every other family of Konim had its own locker in the Beis Migdash, had its own place in the Shechita. Bilga's locker was sealed and its uh, ring for Shechita was fastened down. 
They were shown that Kino, they weren't deserving of having their own individual place in the base of Mikdash. And why not? What did the family do wrong? So the Gemara tells the story of a certain daughter of the family, Miriam Basbilga. Miriam Basbilga married a Greek officer, a Sradio Giovanni. And when the Greeks, and that's before the time of the Hanukkah miracle, were in power and they overran Yerushalayim, so this woman, Miriam Basbilga, came with her husband to the Azara and she removed her shoes, she slapped the Mizbech. And she said, Lucas, Lucas, wolf, wolf, how long are you going to be devouring the money of the Jewish people? And when Chazal heard that a Baskoyen could say such a thing, they said it's not just her, her whole family must be at fault. Why? The Gemaris is a famous land because of a shusta di yinuka b'shuka. The speech of a child in the street is oida avua oida ima. Either comes from the father or from the mother. A child repeats what he hears at home. And therefore you, ch- you hear a child in the streets expressing an opinion, voicing himself in a certain way, at something he picked up in the house. And he's repeating what he heard at home. And therefore it could be an uh, indication into the way his parents think or the way his parents speak. But now here's my question. That goes for a child. A child isn't mature enough to have their own thoughts. The child isn't aware of social nuances and to think what's the right or wrong appropriate thing to say and therefore they're just going to repeat what they heard but Miriam Basbilga wasn't a Yenuka anymore she was a married lady and if that's the case the fact that she went and slapped him his back with a shoe maybe was a significant or signal of her own feelings where do we see that that's a way to indict her parents she was no longer a Yenuka she wasn't a child and the Gemara uses that expression of the child, so to speak, to explain the story of Bilga. Why is that? So this brings us to a very important Yisod. A Yisod in Chinuch of Girls. To some extent it's true for boys too, but it's even more true for girls. And let's start with the principle, which I heard from Revol B'Zichon in Libracha. There's a male of a girl. That she's called the best Talmud Chacham. There's a male of a boy that he'll be a Talmud Chacham. But what's the male of a best Talmud Chacham? So here we see a Yisra, the principle. And that is, if a person himself is a Talmud Chacham, he's learned, he knows, he's a Lamdan, he can delve into the depth of a Sugya, he has a vast warehouse, so to speak, of Yidis, of knowledge in Torah, so chinuch for his son is to impart that to his son. Teach your son how to learn. Make sure he does a lot of chazars. Then he also becomes a Talmud Chacham. He should also become a Lamdan and somebody who knows a lot of Torah. The chinuch is to develop him into a Talmud Chacham as well. But when it comes to a girl, so there's no mitzvah of Talmud Torah the same way. And if that's the case, the father's responsibility in chinuch isn't to to create a Talmud Chacham from his daughter. The responsibility is something else. And that is what means what it means to be a best Talmud Chacham. And that is somebody who's influenced by Torah. Somebody who always grows up with the sound of Torah around them. 
somebody who's used to a meal being a place where Torah is discussed. Somebody being grew up in a home where Torah is valued. If that's the case, that makes them, it gives them a chashivus for Torah, a connection to Torah, even if they're not the ones learning themselves. Even if they aren't mitzvah on their own rights to know Torah and to learn Torah, but they have a connection to Torah. They grew up in an environment of Torah. They are looking to bring up their children one day with that same connection and love for Torah. That's maybe a more of an indirect chinuch, but a chinuch nonetheless. And that is, a person can give a direct chinuch. One can teach Torah to a son. For those areas of Torah, such as halacha, where it's like, or Musa, where it's like, to teach a girl, a person can teach Torah to a girl. But besides for that, there's an indirect chinuch. And that is, through the parents' discussion of Torah, through being in a home where one can sense the more hafti Torah, how much I love the Torah because it's my discussion the whole day long, then a person can connect, get a connection, a love for Torah, a feeling for Torah, without having to be the one to learn Torah themselves. And therefore, someone who grew up in the home of Talmud Chacham is a best Talmud Chacham. She's a girl who grew up with an appreciation for Torah. Now, if you understand that positive quality, we can understand the opposite happens as well. If a person grows up in an environment which is anti-Torah, if a person grows up in an environment which is against something which is for good, a negative environment, even if the reason of the negativity doesn't directly apply to the child, but being raised in such a poisonous environment, it's going to shape and influence their feelings too. And therefore, this is the principle. It's true the girls weren't directly going to be influenced by the fight for Eretz Yisrael. Girls don't have to go to war. But had they grown up in a home where the men were always complaining bitterly about the fact that they have to go to Eretz Yisrael and bemoaning the fact that they're going to get slaughtered in battle, then that would influence the daughters as well. Growing up in a, with parents who so adamantly opposed to fighting for Eretz Yisrael, would be so against Eretz Yisrael, even if the reason doesn't apply, but the atmosphere would affect them nevertheless. And therefore what we would have expected is, the daughters of the people who didn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael, wouldn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael either. They would be affected by the atmosphere, the anti-Eretzistral atmosphere in the home that they were and grew up in, even if the reason wouldn't have applied to them directly. And if that's the case, this is the first level of praise for the Blessed Tafmud. And that is, they weren't influenced by the atmosphere around them. They were Tzidkanias and they appreciated the might of Eretzistral, even in a situation where the rest of Israel might not have the right mindset and the right attitude towards Eretzistral. That's the first matter, because the normal position is that the atmosphere one's in and the hashkafa one's exposed to does influence a person. And here it was a chiddish, the Mestafa with Sidkaniyas, that they grew up in a dar which wasn't positive enough about Eretz Yisrael, and nevertheless, they still loved Eretz Yisrael. And now this brings us to the next point. The story of Miriam Bas Bilga. Miriam Bas Bilga grew up in the family of Kohenim. 
obviously that's where the Devoida was discussed. That's where the Mizbech was something which was of primary importance. Miriam Basbilga later on and goes, goes with the Derech as we call it today and marries a Greek officer. In the world of a Greek officer, do you think they were talking about Karbonus and the Mizbech? It was very, very far from their lifestyle. They were talking about other things. And if that's the case, Hazar understood that this girl Miriam's relationship to the Mizbech or her attitude to the Mizbech didn't come from her husband. It must have still come from her husband. And even if right now she's speaking as a grown lady, but uh, nevertheless, we see that her response to the Mizbech was, so to speak, cultivated by her impressions of the Mizbech as a child. If her parents, as Kainim, had had the correct appreciation and respect and reverence for the Avoida, then that would have been inculcated into her as well. Even if later on she would make the wrong decisions in her own life and marry a Greek, that wouldn't necessarily impact her feelings about the Mizbech. Living with the Greek had nothing to do with Avoida. And therefore, if she harbored such negative emotions about the Mizbech, it must have come from her connection to the Mizbech as a child. That was when she was living in a house of Kainim, a house which centered around the Mizbech. And therefore, Chazal saw this must have been the attitude to the Mizbech that she got before. And we see this. Even today, people who, for whatever sad reason, abandoned the Torah lifestyle. But if there's a certain positive connotation that they had as children to something of Yiddishkeit, that will remain. That will remain. There are those people who are no longer observant in their own right, but still respect Rabbanim, still respect Torah leaders. There are those people who have a, a, a still an affinity for, or a connection to, whatever it was that they felt a connection to as children. And therefore, if the Kohenim of Bilga would have had the correct approach to the Avodah, and yes, little girls aren't brought up to the Avodah, Avodah is the province of the men, of the male Kohanim. But like we said before, it's the influence which makes a difference. And the attitude to Kohanim, the attitude to the Avodah, to the Mizbech, would have been something that in a Kohen's house should have been felt by everyone. Every child of the Kohen's family should have been the pride, their father's serving Mizbech. It's an honor to be in the Beis Hashem. And the child who grows up in a home of Kohanim and feels that the Mizbech is a predator, that the Mizbech is negative, it must be that was the atmosphere in the home, which is why Chazal decided that the right approach was to punish the entire extended family of Bilga. So this is the same principle which we've learned tonight. And that is that there's the influence of the home which shapes a child's perspective. And it could be the child will never be in that circumstance. In the case of a girl, she's never going to be the Talmud Chacham. But, nevertheless, she has a connection to Torah from her father who's a time of Hacham, from a family where Torah is valued. And if Chas Shalom, it's a negative atmosphere, an atmosphere which despises Eretz Yisrael, which despises the Avoida, then that's also going to be transmitted to the children. And this brings us to the second point. The male of Pnei Yes, the, like we said, the Pasuk is very lavish in its place. They were Chachmanias, they were Tzivkanias, they understood the importance of Eretz Israel, they understood how to ask a question. Where did that come from? But even this finds its roots in the family. Chazal also said that Yosef Avinu, 
loved Eretz Yisrael. He told the brothers to take his bones and bury them in Eretz Yisrael. And that middle of Yosef, so to speak, was inculcated even in his great-great-great-granddaughters. Because Yosef loved Eretz Yisrael, they also generated and harbored the love for Eretz Yisrael. And here we see a deeper point. And that is, the same idea of the subliminal influence one can have on children could even be various later. It could even be a number of generations afterwards that the influence of the grandparents the great-grandparents is felt in the children. It was something which was so strong by them, it was something which was picked up by their children and could be passed on to the grandchildren without the children even being aware of it. And therefore, yes, the nice stuff that maybe grew up in the Dara Midbar, the Dara which wasn't keen to go to Eretz Israel, which didn't appreciate it. But in the family of Yosef, there was still the influence of Yosef himself. The Yosef who missed Eretz Yisrael. The Yosef who longed for Eretz Yisrael. And therefore that midah remained in the family. And even so many generations later, it came forth again. And we see this principle too. It says the Torah never leaves its achsanya. A place where the Torah is made comfortable one generation after the next. For three generations, then there's still that connection. And there could be a hiatus, there could be those gaps in, so to speak, the transmission where it doesn't get passed down. But the influence that there is from door after door remains. And it will take time, but eventually it will blossom forth again. And that's the important point of Chinuch you wanted to talk about. And there's Chinuch, which is direct Chinuch. What you can train somebody to do, what you can train someone to be or to become. There's Chinuch, which is indirect. And that is the influence of what a person themselves is and is trying to become, has a hashba. The values they hold strongly of get transmitted by osmosis. The principles, the, the culture, the hashivas that they give to something, the children pick it up by being in such an environment, by being in such a home. And therefore, the values of the children, it's not just their speech, but their values and their priorities, are also a reflection of the home they grew up in. Because these things are passed down in Chinuch too. One, by, by seeing how the parents act, by realizing what they makshif, by living in that environment, that by nature becomes part of the spiritual inheritance that the children get as well.